Welcome, everybody. Disability Law Show. We are back at it. Good to have you along. Stick around for the hour. There's a lot of key information here when it comes to disability law, dealing with your insurance company, especially in these pandemic times. I know, Savannah, you're getting a ton of phone calls. You're getting a ton of emails. Same goes for you, Albert, as well. we got a ton of stuff to get through. We're going to try to get to dealing with difficult employers while on LTD. That topic is on the way. But way to reach out anytime. As you probably know, if you've heard the show before, toll-free, 1-855-821-5900. Really easy number, toll-free email, which we're going to go to throughout the show today, help at disabilityrights.ca. And I know, uh, Savannah, you always like to mention this free and anonymous website called mydisabilityquestions.com. We refer to it and use it every show. You can as well while you're listening uh, today. And the key thing about this is you can ask your disability questions for Savan or Albert or the rest of their respective teams, but it's uh, it's got a searchable database, which means your question may have been asked or something very similar to the key points of your question. It'll save you all the typing. You can read the answer and move on. If not, leave it there, and it will be answered uh, rather quickly. Again, mydisabilityquestions.com. Really simple. Savan, take it away, pal. How are you? I'm good, John. Uh, lots to get through uh, mm-hmm. now. And, um, you know, I want to start with, uh, again, COVID-19. I know that people are exhausted listening to it, thinking about it, dealing with it, with the lockdowns and everything else. But, you know, there is something that I think is really important to understand about uh, the psychological impact of COVID-19, because we are getting more and more people contacting us uh, struggling with with you know the mental health um, ramifications of of the lockdowns, the restrictions, the fatigue, and everything associated with that, and people are contacting us because they're concerned that if they go off on disability or they try to apply for short term or long term disability, then they'll get denied by their insurance companies uh, because their disabilities are related to COVID nineteen mental health issues. Mm-hmm. And I want to make sure people understand that from the per- for the purposes of uh, disability coverage, short-term and long-term disability, it doesn't matter if your depression or anxiety or PTSD or any other mental health issue that is disabling you from working has to do with COVID-19 or a tragic event in your life or just general stress or anything like that. The point is this, if you are unable to work as a result of a mental health condition, illness, injury, or any of the above, right, or all of the above, and you have a doctor or a psychologist or someone that's treating you, that's backing you up, that says this person cannot go to work at this point in time because of these mental health issues, you should be approved for disability coverage. It's really that simple. And and, and so I want to tell people you have that safety net. Remember that when you apply for long-term disability, either through your long-term disability insurance coverage through work, because it's part of your health package, your your health benefits package, or if you purchased uh, long-term disability coverage privately, you have that right to make that application if, in fact, you cannot work at the present time and you have a doctor saying that you should be off work. Again, so it doesn't matter if it's because of COVID-19 or something else. You know, people often differentiate between the two. They're saying, well, it's COVID, you know, as the cause. And, and I know insurance company or, uh, insurance companies are saying that they're not going to cover that. Don't worry about that. If you cannot work, whether it's because of COVID-19 or some other reason, it's disabling you from working, apply for long-term disability. And if you get rejected, you give us a call. 
something else, John, that I want to mention about psychological issues, uh, and that's something that we're seeing a huge rise in those uh, right now. I, I think, and Albert, you're here as well. Albert is a lawyer in our office. He's been on the show many times. I think, uh, you know, he, he can attest to this as well. He works in Ontario, in British Columbia, and in Alberta. We've seen a dramatic rise uh, with mental health type claims, uh, people who are rejected for long-term disability. So, Albert, I want to turn this to you and ask you, what has been your experience recently when people come to you and they say, I've applied for long-term disability because of a mental health issue, an illness or an injury, some of which are COVID-19 related, some of which are not, uh, and then you get involved. What is the dynamic between you and the insurance company once you take over the matter and you deal with the insurance company in those cases? I mean, the good thing is, and I think there's still many, uh, many strides that have to be made, uh, but there have been some good strides which have been made generally. And because of that, because people are generally more aware of mental health as being a real issue, as soon as we get involved, as soon as we initiate a legal claim against the insurance company, they have to realize that this is a real claim and that if, it, if they don't take it seriously, that it's going to go to court and a judge is going to recognize that it's a real claim. And there's two catchphrases that these insurance companies always like to use. They like to say that there's a lack of objective findings. And then they also like to say that the symptoms are not of a severity that prevents you from performing the essential duties of your own occupation. And two things that you should know about those, those catchphrases. One, for a lack of objective findings. 99% of policies don't contain anything which says that you need to have objective findings in order to prove disability. And that's very important because most of these psychological issues, you can't prove. It's not, it's not like you can get an x-ray and all of a sudden find out whether you have depression. That's not how it works. And even just saying that shows that the adjuster on the other side just simply doesn't understand mental health issues. But the good thing is once we get involved, what ends up happening is the insurance company has to look at your case through the lens of what could happen if it were to go to trial. And 99% of these cases don't go to trial, so it's nothing that you have to worry about, but it's the lens through which we look at these cases. And once they have that risk, they have to take your case seriously. And the other, the other catchphrase that they like to use is they like to say that the symptoms are not of a severity that prevents you from, from performing the essential duties of your own occupation. And... If you've seen a denial letter, 99% of these denial letters say that. And it's just a catchphrase that they like to use because it sounds professional and it's going to get you scared. But at the end of the day, most of these adjusters that you're dealing with are not going through that analysis. They haven't even asked you what the essential duties of your own occupation are. And they haven't asked you how your psychological issues actually prevent you from working. And so usually when we get involved, these are the types of questions that we're actually asking that we're hitting them back with. And they have to take these cases seriously. So if you see either of these catchphrases and you have a psychological issue which is preventing you from working, you should absolutely give us a call. And don't take that as the final answer because that's what insurance companies want. They want you to give up. If you give up, they don't have to pay you. If they don't have to pay you, they make more money. It's as simple as that. 
Reaching out, guys, simple, toll-free, 1-855-821-5900. Use that number anytime. Start, have a chat as well. Help at disabilityrights.ca. It sounds it sounds like that's fairly common, Savannah, what, uh, what Albert's talking about. It's kind of, I, I, I wouldn't just say it's a knee-jerk reaction by insurance companies, but it's probably their best bet for denial and saving some money. Right. That's exactly right. They also know these insurance companies that when somebody applies for disability because of a mental health issue, they're already in a very vulnerable state, very vulnerable psychological state. They don't want to deal with this kind of stuff, right? Most people who are suffering from depression, anxiety, and other kinds of illnesses like that, they just want to curl up and stay in bed all day, which is often what actually happens. And so what happens is that from the insurance company's perspective, they know that if they can apply a little bit of pressure either by pressing the person for more documentation when they already have enough or telling you that there's just no objective findings as Albert pointed out or giving you any other type of excuse they're betting on you simply walking away from the money that's owed to you walking away from a claim a legitimate claim that you have and the result the net result of that is that they keep a lot of that money or or all of that money actually because you haven't challenged them now one of the things that people are very surprised at when they get um, when they speak with us and we tell them that they have a case and we can actually pursue the insurance company you know one of the follow-up questions from them is well what do i have to do they ask what do they have to do and how much more effort is that going to take on their end and we tell them it's actually not going to take any effort because we're going to be the one dealing with the insurance company not you we're going to assume all communications with the insurance company um, our team is going to work with you to make sure that we get all the necessary medical documentation. You're not going to have to get that from your doctors. We're going to get all of this documentation from your doctors. Make sure that we build up the file. Make sure that we start whatever the process is that needs to get started and deal with the insurance company. That's why we are here, to help you and to take over that. So the idea is that by coming to us, you're not adding pressure you're not putting more weight on your shoulders. You're actually allowing us to take that weight off of your shoulders. That is a huge, huge thing, John. And you know, I get contacted regularly, every single week, by concerned family members of individuals who are suffering from mental health issues, who have been denied uh, unjustly by their insurance companies or long-term disability claims, or situations where a person has been getting long-term disability payments and then was you know these individuals were cut off by the insurance company or were told by the insurance company we're going to cut you off in a month in three months in six months or, or whatever and these individuals don't know what to do you know they simply they're like a deer in headlights right they don't know what to do they can't process it they can't deal with it and that's how we rely incidentally a lot on family members and and friends to reach out to us, of course, with the consent of these individuals and put us in touch with them so we can help them. Yeah, it's amazing the amount of relief just having you guys on board and the phone calls stop from the insurance company with either physical or mental health uh, disabilities for sure. And again, that's one thing you can take advantage of uh, right away. We've got to take a short break, guys. So much more to get through, so let's get to that first. one 821 5900 the toll-free number. Anytime, reach Albert or Savannah, remember their team. Email is help at disabilityrights.ca. And if you just go to the website, disabilityrights.ca, that will take you to the firm. And uh, along the top, you'll see under their media portion there you can catch uh, episodes of our long-running tv show as well so take advantage of that we'll continue disability law show on global news radio you are listening to a paid commercial program unless otherwise identified the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser 
The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. And welcome back. Disability Law Show. Reaching out. Always give the information a few times during the show so you can keep it with you. Toll free 1-855-821-5900. Help at disabilityrights.ca. Really simple. We got some emails to get through. We got questions. We got uh, people just reaching out. Savan, where are you taking us? Okay, let's go to mydisabilityquestions.com since it's the website you mentioned, John. Um, yeah, we got tons of questions on that website. And let's go to one that was just posted by uh, Christina from Calgary. By the way, people are more than welcome to put their names or put in a different name or not put any name at all. But, you know, when there is a name there, then I usually just say it and where the person's from. So this uh, this lady here, Christina from Calgary, actually she, she wrote below here. I'm, I'm going to read her question in a second, but she writes... I watch your TV show, which has helped me through many of the battles with my LTD insurer that I've had. So thank you. That's actually very nice to hear, John. Mm-hmm. For any new listeners here, uh, we we operate. We're lawyers, obviously, and and we help people in Ontario, in British Columbia, and now in Alberta as of the beginning of this year. So let's go to Christina's question. She writes, "I've been on LTD for three years, and now I also receive CPP disability since January." I need to know if my employer terminates me for frustration of contract, will my LTD benefits continue or not? Mm-hmm. The policy about this is confusing. And then she goes on and, and writes that portion of the policy that she wants me to interpret. Now, number one, uh, I want to I wanna tell people, if you have a question about your specific uh, policy, if you have questions about your LTD claim, feel free to reach out to us. You can go to mydisabilityquestions.com. You can post your question. You'll get the answer. It doesn't cost anything. Uh, or you can give us a call or email us, whether it's to me, to Albert, to anyone on the team. We do this kind of work all the time, meaning that we give people these answers for free. Okay, This is, this is just a free service across all three provinces, and we've been doing this now for years giving people this information. So let's answer Christina's question. Number one, she says she's been on LTD for three years and now she's on CPP disability. Uh, This tells me that whatever is um, the reason for why Christina is on LTD is fairly serious. It's serious because typically to be on LTD for over two years, you have to satisfy a fairly difficult test, which is that you cannot perform the essential tasks of any occupation for which you're suited for by training, education, or experience. So being on LTD for three years, typically for most uh, uh, policies, LTD policies, means that you've satisfied that test and the insurance company has accepted that you cannot work in any occupation for which you're suited for. In addition to that, Christina has been on CPP disability since January. So she has had to actually persuade the government of Canada right, that she is disabled, she has a severe and prolonged disability. So again, whatever is ailing her is probably serious. So then she asks, if my employer terminates me for frustration of contract, will my LTD benefits continue or not? There is one question there that she's asking, but really this question should be divided into two questions. Number one, can the employer terminate her for frustration of contract? Frustration of contract is a concept that I'm sure, um, John, you and Lior, my, my partner uh, and head of our employment group, talk about this all the time. And that's the idea that if you're off work for a certain reason for a prolonged period of time, in some instances, the employer may be able to argue that the contract of employment has been frustrated right. and then proceed to 
uh, disengaged from you as an employee. The thing is this, though, that some employers in the context of LTD take that position that the employment relationship has been frustrated prematurely. Yep, and what they say to you, right, they say to you that you're no longer employed with the company, we don't have to pay you anything, when the opposite is actually true. Not only do they potentially have to pay you severance, but maybe even human rights damages for letting you go while on disability, because that's a violation under most um, uh, human rights legislation in the country. So, so that's something important to understand, that you've been let go from your job while on disability. You may be entitled to severance from your employer in a, or, or termination pay in addition to uh, human rights damages. And of course, we can help you with that because we have lawyers who specialize specifically in employment law. Now, let's move on to the actual question that Christina asked. Will, will my LTD benefits continue or not if my employer lets me go? Now, this is something that Albert and I see all the time, and people obviously are very concerned with that. I actually get that question, I think, at least two or three times a week from people across the country. Either they've been let go from their job while they're on LTD, or the uh, employer has gone bankrupt, uh, closed, uh, closed their doors, moved away, whatever. And people are concerned, what's going to happen to my LTD? Nothing is going to happen to your LTD, or nothing should happen to your LTD. If you are receiving LTD, okay, so you're on long-term disability, and your employer either lets you go or shut its doors, moved away, whatever, that should not impact your entitlement to long-term disability benefits. The only way that your LTD should end is if you no longer qualify for the test for receiving LTD, right? Like, let's say you're now better and you can do work, right? You can go back to work, whether it's your it's at your old employer or a new employer, but the point is you can now work, you're no longer disabled. Or if you reach uh, some kind of an end date, like uh, let's say in most policies, there's an end date of, of age 65, you cannot get LTD under most LTD policies uh, beyond age 65. So if you reach age 65 and under the policy, your benefits terminate at that point, well, then that ends. Or some other reason under the policy, but the mere fact that you've been let go from your job, the mere fact that your employer may have gone bankrupt or is no longer here for whatever reason should not impact your entitlement to LTD benefits. Uh, but again, if people have a question about that, maybe there is a nuance to their situation, John, I tell people, just reach out to us. It's going to cost nothing to speak with us. Myself, Albert, somebody else on the team, we answer these kinds of questions all the time. And frankly, even if it's not your claim, even if you're calling us or emailing us about, again, a friend or a family member or a colleague, we'll answer that question. We'll take time. We'll answer the question. We'll make sure that you have the information you need so that you're empowered and you know, or whoever you're contacting us uh, on their behalf, that they know what their rights are. Albert, I don't know if you have anything to add here. I'm sure you've been getting these kind of questions too. People have a lot of questions. What happens during their employment if their employment ends? Uh, and I know that there is an impact, obviously, on LTD. We've talked about that before, but you must see that quite a lot during your practice, right? Yeah, we see, we see this question quite a bit. And a similar question that I often get, and it's, and it's very, very related, and I think it's a good sort of practice point to speak about, is people always ask me, well, now I've been on LTD. Do I have to continue paying my premiums every month for LTD? And of course, I get it, right? You've uh, you've been paying premiums for all these years, and lo and behold, the one time that you actually end up applying, the insurance company gives you a hard time. Of course, you're not going to be too inclined to continue paying the money. 
every single month. And really, I, I mean, we're, we're not insurance brokers, and, uh, and, and that's not my job. That's not my role. I can't tell you whether or not you should be getting insurance on a move forward or move forward basis or not. But what I can tell you is that you don't need to continue paying premiums in order to maintain a claim in the past. What I mean by that is, let's say you get injured in 2018, and because of that, you're incapable of working. You don't have to have your premiums paid up till 2020 in order to maintain that 2018 claim. So I hope I hope that's clear. But uh, but essentially, what you need to take away from this is you don't need to maintain your premiums to maintain a previous claim. Is part of the confusion, Savan, the fact that you know they may have been the employer, or at least it's not been adjudicated by the employer, but there's that there's that correlation between getting LTD benefits while you were employed with said company. Is that why they think the relationship's there? So if one ends, the automatically the other one's going to end as well. Meanwhile, it's a completely different company. Yeah, absolutely. And in fact, in many instances, there's discu- not discussion, but there's communication between your HR department and the insurance company, which incidentally may not be appropriate, depending on the circumstances. But yeah, people see it as, you know, I have my LTD coverage through my company. So therefore, yeah. if my company is no longer here, will I still mm-hmm. have my LTD benefits? It's a very valid question. It's very logical, right, to be concerned about that. But no, the reality is that if, in fact, you are already on LTD or in the process of applying for LTD. You became disabled. That's the point. You became disabled while you had that LTD coverage. You should then be eligible, entitled to, and receive LTD benefits irrespective of what happens with your company. The number, one 821 5900 As uh, Savan mentions, just reach out and have a conversation. It's simple. It's free. It's, uh, it's the best thing you can do. Easiest. Help at disabilityrights.ca. Still got a couple minutes to go, guys, before we break. Where do you want to take it, Savan? So there's another question that was posted. I'm curious, actually, as to uh, Albert's uh, thoughts on this. Um, and this is uh, from Patrice, and she writes, I'm receiving therapy for anxiety through my LTD benefits. Uh, and then she mentions the insurance company's name. She then says, if I do not return to work, will I have to pay back the insurance company for my therapy, presumably for the therapy that was covered by her LTD insurer? Uh, Albert, what are your thoughts about that? The simple simple answer is no. Uh, if, If an insurance company decides to gratuitously cover your benefits, they can't later absent you signing any agreement to pay them back, say that you have to pay them back. Hmm. So a word to the wise, anytime an insurance company is asking you to sign something, that always kind of raises red flags for me. And I think anytime they're asking you to sign something, you might want to try and consult a lawyer and make sure that this is something that your policy actually requires of you. But insurance companies don't do things gratuitously. They do things because they think it's going to save them money down the road. So that's that's just a poor calculation on their part. If they thought that spending all this money on your therapy was going to get you back to work and it didn't, well, that's on them. It's not on you. So don't ever don't ever agree to pay back an insurance company if they are asking uh, you to pay them back for therapy because it's absolutely not right. 
1-855-821-5900. Again, reading a ton of questions this morning from MyDisabilityQuestions.com, a free resource for you. Uh, you might want to go through the database of questions already asked. Yours might uh, might be there. Uh, take us away for a couple minutes, Savannah, before we break. You got to get to another email or another uh, another case from My Disability Questions. What do you want to do? Another. This is the last one I have here this week, John. I know it's hard to believe because <laughs> every show we have so many of them, and we still do, but I want to get to some other questions from listeners. But this one was posted, uh, and I think, again, a lot of people will have that same question. Uh, this is from Doug. Uh, he's in Surrey, B.C., and here's what he writes. Very, It's very quick. He says, does my time on LTD count towards severance pay while I'm employed? Uh, excellent question, right? What happens if you are one year, two years, three years, etc., on long-term disability? If you let go from your job, does your severance that the employer owes you, does it have to take into account those additional years that technically you were not at work, but you were still employed? Okay, that's very different, being actively at work in the workplace, but um, not being there because of LTD and instead just being employed. I didn't know the answer to that, to be honest with you. And so this is the cool thing about our firm in that we have employment lawyers and we have disability lawyers and we have some lawyers who do both. So as soon as I got that question, I fired off to Lior, uh, head of the employment group at the firm, and I asked him, what's the answer? And his answer was very revealing uh, and very quick. The answer was yes. So if you're on LTD, one year, two year, three year, however long you're at, and your, your employer subsequently lets you go, the question is, do they owe you severance just for the period of time you were actively employed, i.e., were not on LTD, or do they have to take into account when calculating your severance the time you've been on LTD as well, albeit still employed by the employer? And the answer is they have to take into account the years or the time that you were also on LTD. I thought that was just very interesting, and I think many people are going to be interested to, to know that. Of course, if you let go from your job while you're on LTD, again, circling back to something we discussed before, that could be a human rights violation. So not only are you entitled to potential severance, but also to mm. perhaps even human rights damages uh, from the employer. And I don't care, John, if this is a mom and shop uh, uh, employer or if it's a bank uh, or a national, multinational, international corporation. The point is the rules apply to everyone the same way. You cannot let someone go from their job if they are disabled. That is a human rights violation, and we can make sure that you get compensated for that. Lots more to go. Let's break first, guys. Quick one. Here's the number to reach out to Albert Savan, member of their uh, respective teams. It is 1-855-821-5900. Help at disabilityrights.ca, the email address. It is the Disability Law Show, Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. And welcome back, Disability Law Show. Savannah Tamark and Albert Klein here answering questions. A bunch of different ways to get in touch. The phone number, 1-855-821-5900. DisabilityRights.ca is the website. Links to our TV show there as well. And emails anytime. Help at 
disabilityrights.ca. As mentioned off the top uh, a little while ago, Savannah, and I want to get to this topic as well because you mentioned there's so much crossover between employment law and disability law, which is why your firm have a uh, somewhat unique position of being able to handle both and handle them well indeed. Dealing with difficult employers while on LTD. Let's get to this one because this is not... This is not an uncommon thing. So some employers think that it's okay to let an employee go while the employee is on long-term disability. Is that okay? And what can the employee do about that other than, you know, picking up the phone right away, right? Yeah. So, I mean, we just covered that, obviously, yeah. with some questions from mydisabilityquestions.com. So the short answer is no, the employer cannot simply let you go without repercussions if you are on disability. Uh, they potentially owe you uh, severance and human rights damages. And the reason why that's important, of course, is because uh, as some employment lawyers don't know, I mean, the employment lawyers at our firm do know this because we have a lot of seminars internally and talk amongst ourselves about these issues. But some employment lawyers don't understand that if they get severance, if they negotiate severance with an employer for an employee that's been let go while on disability, it's very likely that the long-term insurer would be entitled to a credit for that severance. So imagine, John, that you're an LTD, you've been let go from your job, you hire Albert, who let's say is an employment lawyer, he gets you a great severance package, maybe 50 grand. Mm -hmm. And then you find out that you're not getting that 50 grand, and in fact, the insurance company that's paying you LTD is not going to pay you now LTD equivalent to that severance amount, right? So so essentially, the the insurance company got the benefit of that $50,000, not you. And so there's ways around it. There's ways to structure the settlement with the employer in such a way as to minimize that credit that the insurance company is entitled to. Again, every case is specific, so we can't get into too many details here because there are many nuances in every case. Suffice it to say that if you let go from your job and you're on disability, or if you have disability long, or long-term disability issues with the insurance company and you're afraid about how that's going to impact your workplace, we're the firm that's going to help you because we have that dual expertise. We don't deal with immigration law. We don't deal with family law, tax law, any of that. We deal with long-term disability claims and employment law issues. Those are the two areas of law that we have a specialty in. So if you have questions about that, give us a call. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Another question about this, again, dealing with uh, difficult employers while on LTD. Can the employer... Um, can they change a person's job duties and or salary while a person's on LTD? Not not confusing that with accommodation coming back to work, but while they're on LTD. No, they can't do that. And, and again, not to venture too far into the employment law sphere, uh, that can be construed as constructive dismissal, right? When the employer says, uh, you know, John, um, you know, we know that you used to do uh, uh, radio hosting uh, before you went on LTD, but now we want you to... Uh, uh, you know, just pick up coffees for some of the uh, TV stars that we have here when you come back. Well, they can't do that. They can't do that. If they change the terms of your employment while you're on LTD, that is a constructive dismissal, very likely, which means that it triggers severance responsibilities on their end, and again, potentially human rights damages. So again, if you have any questions about that, you're in that situation, you know someone in that situation, you need to get the help because again, every case is different. Reaching out to either Savannah or Albert any time. We'll give you an email address again, help at disabilityrights.ca and mydisabilityquestions.com. So now we'll you'll, you'll fast forward a little bit here. Now, if a person is ready to try to return to modified duties at work, is the employer responsible for the accommodation of the employee? And can, at that point, the LTD uh, insurer 
simply stop benefits? So this is a very, very difficult question to answer because it's so fact-specific. Right. That said, let's just look at this from you know 20,000 feet. Many people out there, to their credit, want to try and get back to work. They're disabled for whatever reason, whether it's a mental disability, mental health issue, uh, physical, or a combination of both. They want to try and get back to work. And so they work with their doctors. They get better to an extent. They get the clearance. And the doctor says, you know what, John, I think you should be able to go back to work, but you know, with some modifications. And what do you do, John? You then go to your employer and you say, this is what my doctor has said. And the employer, let's say, says, fantastic, we can do that for you. Great, end of discussion. Then you try to go back to work and hopefully you mm -hmm. succeed. What happens when the employer then says, we're not going to accommodate you? Yeah. And so you then turn back to the insurance company and say, I can't go back to work because my employer is not accommodating me. Many people find in that situation that the insurance company turns around and says, well, that's an accommodation issue. That's not no longer a disability issue. That's when it becomes very, very nuanced. Because is it an insurance issue or is it an employment issue? Again, zooming out for a second, it can be both or it can be either. It's not going to be neither. That's really important here. Someone here is going to be responsible for you, either the insurance company for paying you LTD because you cannot perform the essential tasks of your occupation, your own occupation, or the employer for failing to accommodate you. If, if it's the employer's fault, if the employer is able to accommodate but chooses not to, right? And, and remember, the duty of accommodation is fairly strong. I mean, you know, the employer really has to bend over backwards to accommodate you. That's yeah. just the law in Canada. If they don't do that, we can go after the employer for failure to accommodate. On the other hand, if, again, the accommodation is such that the employer simply cannot provide that kind of an accommodation, it really falls outside the scope of what they can do for you. And, you know, realistically, with all these accommodations, you really cannot do the essential tasks of your own occupation. Well, then guess what? It's the insurance company's responsibility to put you back on LTD. My point is that many people find themselves in that you know space where they're caught between a rock and a hard place. The insurance company that doesn't want to pay anymore, the employer who doesn't want to accommodate. And that's when we tell people, you need that legal advice. You need to speak with us. We can't just give you general information about your situation because your information may have nuances and facts that distinguish it from perhaps a colleague's or perhaps someone else in a different industry. So again, really important to understand that you have rights vis-a-vis -vis your insurance company, vis-a-vis -vis your employer, and the employer and the insurance company can't simply wash their hands off of you. You're not going to be in a situation where no one is going to pay you. Okay. Yeah. So really important to understand you have those rights, but with respect to specific instances, right? if you're in that situation, you as a listener, or you know someone in that situation, please reach out so that we can have that discussion with you and tell you what your rights are. And in that note, we'll uh, take a short break, get to some email here. Uh, Melissa, thank you for uh, for reaching out. We'll get your email immediately after we uh, we come back. Toll free. In the meantime, one 821 help at is the email address. We'll continue. This is the Disability Law Show on Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. 
Disability Law Show. We'll continue on here. We still got to still have some time. We'll get to an email or two before we wrap for another show. We appreciate all your correspondence, by the way. Help at disabilityrights.ca and one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred toll free number to reach out to Savannah or Albert or a member of the team. Don't hesitate just to call and have a chat. And get your bearings as far as uh, whether it's a disability claim or dealing with an insurance company, as, as Savannah often says, for yourself, colleague, family member, doesn't matter. Make that phone call. And mydisabilityquestions.com is also another free resource for you to use uh, anytime. Okay, Melissa, as promised, your email says, uh, hey, guys, I've been on long-term disability for almost two and a half years now for severe sciatica pains and osteoarthritis. I get injections and a lot of therapies every week from my chronic pain doctor. Recently, a new claims adjuster took over my file and told me that she's reviewed my case with a medical consultant, and they think that I should have gotten better with all my treatments and should be back at work already, or at least try a return-to-work program. That's uh, against the advice of my family doctor, my chronic pain doctor, and my uh, rheumatologist, which I see regularly. I don't know what to do. This new adjuster is very mean and told me that if I don't try to go back to work, they'll cut off my benef- uh, benefits this June. Wow. Wow, Melissa. Well, I'm I'm very sorry about everything that you've been going through, but thank you very much for uh, messaging us. I one one thing that I always like to hear, and I, I mean, from from a case standpoint and just managing it and being able to deal with it easily is any time that I hear that someone has been approved for disability benefits beyond the two-year mark, it puts the insurance company in a very difficult position. And I'll tell you why. So for all you long-term listeners, everyone knows that for the first two years on most of these standard policies, the test for disability or the question is whether or not you're capable of doing your own job. After that two-year mark, after you've been eligible for LTD benefits for two years, if they continue to, uh, to approve you for benefits, essentially what they are saying is that you, meet, you continue to meet the test for disability. And after that two-year mark, the test for disability is that you are unable, unable to perform the essential duties of any occupation. Basically, it means they're agreeing that you can't work in any job which you're trained to do. And because, Melissa, you've now been on LTD benefits for more than two years, in fact, two and a half years, there's been six months where the insurance company has essentially agreed implicitly that you meet their test for disability. So they've agreed that you are incapable of working in any job. So this is very good. This is very good from you managing your case because it's going to be very difficult for for the insurance company to deviate from that because they're going to have to point to what's ultimately changed over that six-month period that now that they now they have a completely different opinion. And that's going to be tough for them. And you have a lot of support, which is great. I mean, you're, you're regularly seeing your rheumatologist, your family doctor, and your chronic pain doctor. They're very supportive, which is great. You've been getting injections, therapies. So you're doing all the right things. And basically, it, it, it boils down to you. If your doctors are very supportive of you, if they agree that you shouldn't be returning back to work, you absolutely shouldn't. And it boils down to you, and it's a functionality test at the end of the day. If you don't feel like you can go back to work, even participate in a return-to-work program on a very graduated basis, and your doctors are supportive, the insurance company cannot do that. Please give me a call anytime. Happy to walk you through this, but the insurance company will not get away with this. 
Thank Albert, you I got a, got a question for you. Part of that email says, you know, the case has been reviewed by a quote-unquote medical consultant. Number one, what is a medical consultant? Number two, I'm assuming, because we're still in the midst of a pandemic, there's been no physical examination here. It's been a paper checkup. I mean, that's usually what happened. And what they like to do is they like to give this air of legitimacy, right? And <sighs> it's quite funny when... Uh, when, when the file ends up coming to us, I go through it with a fine-tooth comb. I go, uh, I, I start, start at the beginning. I look at all the people who have reviewed uh, my client's file, including any, any alleged medical consultants. Sometimes they're nurses. Sometimes they're doctors. Sometimes on, on a very recent file, actually, I saw that it was a doctor that hadn't practiced for 30 years. Wow. And so I usually do a bit of a background check just because I'm interested to see and I want to call into question some of some of the allegations that they're making about my client. And so these are the types of people that are are ultimately making a determination as to whether or not my client can work or not work or meets the test for disability or doesn't. Yet they haven't spoken to any of my do- my client's doctors. They haven't actually met with my client. And I'm sure that's the, that's been the case here, Melissa. Usually they're just given the file because insurance companies want to save as much money as possible. They don't want to pay for, uh, they, they often don't want to pay for a top doctor, so they're going to get someone who hasn't practiced for 30 years. They don't want to pay for someone to actually meet you because that's expensive. Every hour that they spend assessing you is going to be expensive. It's much cheaper to just have someone take a look at a file, review it for a couple hours, and then ultimately agree with the insurance company that you can't work. And it sounds like that's what's happened here, unfortunately. But the good thing is it's easy to fight these things, easy to fight these medical consultants because they haven't done their due diligence. And that's, that's going to work in your favor down the road. Savannah, so what do you think? Um, <clears throat> I, I agree with everything uh, that Albert has said. I can tell you there was a case, I think it was last year out of BC, where a judge actually commented that these paper reviews, meaning that a consulted foreign insurance company who has not actually examined a claimant, but rather provide an opinion just by looking at the at the file, the, the paper file, that there were major concerns with that kind of an opinion. Now, again, it depends on the circumstance, depends on the kind of assessment we're talking about. But I think clearly, if you if you compare and contrast what a judge potentially will see if this goes to court, and again, I, I, I'm saying court, but the reality is very, very, very few of these cases ever go to court. This is not like American TV, you know, when, when you watch all these cases end up before a judge. But let's assume for a second it does go before a judge. A judge, on the one hand, is faced with a consultant who oftentimes is not even a doctor from the insurance company who hasn't actually seen the individual. They've just been paid to review the file and crank out an opinion. And on the other hand, they listen and they hear from treating doctors who've been dealing with the claimant for months, if not years. Who do you think a judge is going to believe at the end of the day? Of course they're going to believe the treating doctors. And do you think insurance companies are not aware of this? Of course they're aware of this. But as Albert said, insurance companies often try to create an air of legitimacy by telling you that they've had their consultant review your file and these are their conclusions. One last thing that I just want to mention here, which is from Melissa Zemo. She talks about how this new adjuster is very mean. I want to make something clear here. An adjuster has zero rights to be mean to you, to be aggressive with you, to be condescending, bullying, or any of those kinds of behavior that is completely inappropriate. And frankly, when I see that kind of a behavior, 
and I take over a claim, I have to stop myself because I'm angry about how they've been treating my client before I was retained. I have to stop myself from doing that same thing to the adjuster because it's not professional. They shouldn't do it. Of course, I shouldn't do it. Lawyers shouldn't do it. But I'll tell you this, as soon as we get involved, you're no longer dealing with this adjuster. All the communications are between this adjuster and us. In fact, not even that adjuster, because once we start a legal claim, there's going to be a new adjuster appointed for the insurance company that deals with these kinds of claims. So again, that's another benefit of having us retained and helping you through this when you're denied or cut off LTD, because we're dealing with the insurance company, not you. Great week, guys. Appreciate it. And thank you for uh, your correspondence through email or otherwise. A couple different ways to reach out, which we refer to and use every show. MyDisabilityQuestions.com, free and easy, as well as the email, help at disabilityrights.ca. And toll free, the phone number. Give them a call. Chat, one 855 This is the Disability Law Show. We'll catch you next time. Global News Radio. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.